0: Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. Good evening everyone. It's a wonderful privilege to be with you tonight. And before we get started, I'd just like to pray a very simple prayer as we worship uh, it's, my, it's honestly my heart's desire that Psalm 23, it ends off where David says, Surely your goodness and mercy will be with me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And I think wouldn't it be wonderful if we wouldn't only be a people who can re- g- just say that, but that we would be a people that would know that. And that we can say with every fiber in our being that... Um, Let's pray that. Let's just pray that. Stop talking. Let's pray. (laughs) Father, that we would be able to say with confidence that we would know, Father, your kind, your loving heart, surely your goodness and mercy, that we would be a people of faith, that we would know your goodness and mercy will be with us all the days of our lives and that we would dwell in your house, and that we would be filled with your spirit forever. In Jesus' name, be with us and make much of yourself in this time. Amen. Friends, we're going to be at John chapter 7, so if you have your Bible, I would encourage you to open up. If you don't, it's going to be up on the screen. I use the ESV normally. Okay. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it, that it will bear more fruit. You are already clean, because of the words which I have spoken to you, abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and he dries up. And they gather them and they cast them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in me, Ask whatever you wish, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Friends, before we get started, I want us to focus on a couple of things. Firstly, number one, that Jesus is the vine. That Jesus is the source. And secondly, that God the Father is the vine dresser. If you don't know what that means, God the Father is the farmer. And farmers don't care about the exterior, about the aesthetics of the produce. They care about fruit. They care about fruit. And the good news is that we are the branches. And God the Father will do whatever he needs to do. To for us to bear fruit. So we can relax and we, we can rejoice in our hearts with the fact that God wants you to bear fruit. God's desire for you is fruit. And he will prune, he will give you water, he will give you shade, he will, he will do everything in his power so that you can ultimately come to a place where you can bear fruit. And in that we can rejoice and in that our hearts can be light and our, 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 our eyes full and just know that, that God is for us. God wants us to bear fruit. He doesn't want to look at you and say, my bud, 1995 was your year and I'm sorry that's come and gone and now you're stuck in super sport. Um, That's Joel Stransky, I apologize. No, that's, that's, uh, that's not his will or his purpose or his desire for you. It's to bear fruit every year of your life. Every single year of your life, that is what God wants to you. And, and the beautiful, I just love how it ends, by this you prove you're my disciples, by bearing much fruit. So then he, God wants us to be living proof of his goodness, that people can look to you and point to Jesus. We are proof. Our fruit is proof that the, he's glorified through that. So if you don't believe me, I just quickly want to, If you don't believe that we are to bear fruit, I just quickly want to go through the verses. Verse 2 says, every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it, that it will bear more fruit. So, God is for us bearing fruit. Verse 4 says, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So, neither can you unless you abide in me. Again, it's about bearing fruit. Verse 5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. Fruit. This is about us bearing fruit. Verse 8, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. It's about us bearing fruit. And the good news is that we will all benefit greatly from bearing fruit. That our hearts and our souls will come to a place of joy and peace and contentment and That's amazing, but before that can happen, God's word needs to find a home in us. And very simply and very practically, I live with a um, a friend uh, as a flatmate. His name is Trav, and as soon as I there's an inkling of a wife, I'm going to say, "Hey, Trav, sorry, but get a trailer." Okay, (laughs) I think. I think it's a good time for you to invest in a trailer and uh, just, just go out. Because when the word abides in me, it's, it's similar. So I'm not Travis Good, but when I find a wife, it's something better. And, and you might be living a, a life and it's fine. But uh, when you find Christ, you find something infinitely better. And he's gonna, he needs to make Home inside of you, and his words fit inside of you, and that's where they belong. And so a couple of things when Jesus moves into your life and into your heart, he's gonna, he's gonna rearrange a couple of things, he's gonna shift this and that. And you know what? The, the house will look different, your, your life will look different, It'll, there will be a different fragrance. People will walk in and say, I like what you've done to the place. Well, just this is a metaphor, I hope you're following. Um, but, but, but this is what will happen. And what is remarkable is that Jesus, God is willing to, um, for his words to abide in us, which is phenomenal. And God gives us his spirit to dwell in us. It's unbelievable. Just, just think about that, that he who created heaven and earth, he who formed me inside my mother's womb, he who has power over everything, is willing to live in me. And I don't know about you, but if you're on the property market, you don't look for a a rundown place, unless you want to flip it. If If you want to live there, you look for a place, the best possible deal out there, and God, through His infinite wisdom and love and mercy, chooses to live in me. He chooses to live in you. And interior decorator... To, to the max, there's a, there's a beautiful story in um, Jackie Pullinger. She wrote a book called Chasing the Dragon, and she speaks about a prostitute named Frida. And Frida, um, so she, for those of you who don't know, Jackie Pullinger lived in Kowloon. That's the walled city right next to Hong Kong. And Frida was a prostitute from, um, from, uh, from a child. From, she, was, she was a minor. She started prostituting. And addicted to heroin. So the walled city is the place in the world where heroin is the cheapest. So if you into your heroin, um, Kowloon is probably a good place for you. And so this Frida, addicted, from, from a very young age, she's a prostitute her entire life. Now she's 70 years old. And just imagine, the she can no longer... Um, prostitute because no one um, wants to use her because she's been used her entire life and her life has been reduced. She sits at a sewer and she pokes it with a stick just to ensure that there's a flow, that, 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 it, that it doesn't um, clog up and there's a flow. So that's what she does for a living. And the reason why she does that for a living is so that she can buy heroin so that someone can inject it in her. The problem is that everything fell flat. All the, the veins fell flat in her body. So she needs to pay a child to look and search for places in her body Find it and then inject it. And that was that was her life. And you know what's the beautiful thing? Jesus came and ha- had an encounter with her. And he made a home inside of her. And Jackie Pullinger writes about her wedding being the purest, most beautiful, most holy wedding that she has ever attended. And that woman who was rejected, that people would no longer use her sole purpose in society poking a sewer, Jesus came, and he made that beautiful. And by this, we read in verse 8, My father is is greatly glorified that you bear much fruit. So Frida, she bore fruit. She, She had a beautiful testimony and a beautiful story and a beautiful relationship. There's no denying that Jesus came, changed her, made her into something beautiful. And by that, God is glorified. No one can look to that and say, ooh, yeah, no, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. So you can only look to that situation and say that God makes all things beautiful. And uh, so, for, for me, I'm just so encouraged that by the fact that He is willing to dwell in me and you. And I want us to, to go to a place tonight, a place that I'm scared to go, a place that I, I have a lot of fear to go to, and And that is the place in in verse 7 where we read, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it shall be done for you. And by this, oh sorry, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it shall be done for you. And the reason why I'm scared to ask this is because our lives are not always proof of uh, fruit. And and there's a lot of prosperity out there and there's a lot of people um, who, who name it and claim it and, and we always think that this, these verses, we rather back off of those verses. But God gives it to us and it's a promise that Jesus gives us. And I think if we are responsible, there is so much beauty. There's a world that is awaiting um, for us. And the beautiful thing about prayer um, is that God chooses certain things to be that would never, ever be, but they are, because we pray. And then he invites us, and things are set into motion because we pray. And he he wants you to be a part of that story. So there needs to be a place for good theology when it comes to this, uh, ask for whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. And I almost want to approach this as a thing where we just come to a campfire and just sit and we just ponder, just sit around this and just chat about the fact that we can ask for whatever we wish and it will be done to us. Um, and I think for many of us, we don't want to do that. And for many of us, we are angry because, we've re- because we have asked for things and it hasn't been done. And we look to prayer as some kind of broken toy and it's just back in the cupboard because it doesn't work. It's, it's broken. It doesn't work. But there's some guidelines, and I think if we have a healthy framework from which we can view and approach prayer, it will be really helpful, and it will unlock a world where we can pray with confidence and ask for whatever we wish, and do that with faith, because God rewards faith. So, firstly, I want us to look at John 1 uh, 1 John five fourteen, which says, If we ask anything according to His will, He will hear us. I want us to realize that prayer is not something that is blind and aimless. And we need to ask according to God's will. He hears us from heaven. When we ask, when we trust, when we have faith, we must have patience. But we can ask anything if it's according to His will. So the guidelines from which we can, can, can ask anything is... First, it needs to be according to His will. His, his word needs to find a home in us. He needs to move in. He needs to find a home. He needs to rearrange certain things. Certain things are going to be kicked out of our house. He's going to live in you and He's going to say, Edwin, this needs to go. Edwin, you can't entertain that. Certain things need to shuffle around. So that needs to happen. So if we live according to His will, um, if we, we need to pray according to His will, then secondly... Psalm 66:18 says, If I regard wickedness in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Second point that I, when we want to find guidelines um, from which we should pray is, If the word abides in me, that is to say, if the word takes root in me, I will be repentant of all sin. Um, if I'm repentant of sin, it doesn't mean that I won't sin. It, will, it simply means that I don't rejoice in sin and I don't continue in sin. I, I will sin, I will fail, but I'll repent of those things. Then James 4, 3 tells us, You ask and you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. When we pray for certain things, let's not pray from a place of selfishness and let's not have let our own comfort not be that what we the driving factor what we have in mind. Mark eleven twenty-four says, All things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them and they will be granted to you. Again, we need to have faith. I love Hebrews eleven six, which says, Without faith it's impossible to please God. God is moved and stirred by faith. He rewards faith. God is a rewarder of faith. So when we pray, let's have faith for the things that we ask for. Lastly, we need to persevere when we pray. Luke 18.1 tells us, at all times we ought to pray and not lose heart. So let's persevere when we pray. And with this in mind, with this as a guideline, we can read verse 7 together, and we can uh, process that a little bit more. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, Ask whatever you wish and it will be done to you. Firstly, we need to abide in Jesus. Not only read his word. We need to make room in our hearts, in our lives for his word to take root in us. I said it before, I'll say it again. When when someone moves in with you, you need to move things around, shift things around, and some things need to be kicked out. Jesus wants you to bear fruit, and on the road towards bearing fruit, you need to ask Him to be with you in that journey. You need to ask for fruit. Very simple. So let's take a look, and let's learn from heroes of the faith how they ask, what they ask for, and I want to encourage you to do the very same things in your life. The first thing that a person that I want us to look at was Moses. Moses was, was uh, in the desert. He had an encounter with God, and he said in Exodus 34 verse 30, Now therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways, that I may know you in order... Um, to find favor in your sight. And he said to him, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. And the lesson that I learned from Moses is when we speak to God, let's ask God for God. You know, on the other side of our prayers is God. What a waste it wouldn't be if we pray to speak to a living God and we want on the other side of our prayers to be a car. If we want on the other side of our prayers to be a house or a a this or a that or a promotion, there's nothing wrong with those things. But we have access to God. So when we pray, let's ask God for God. And we will be blown away and we will see beauty and we will experience things and we will drink from deep places where we've never drunk from before and it will satisfy us without God in it. When Moses asked God for them to go with them, without God with them, the land of milk and honey would just be another God-forsaken place. What would be the use? They, they arrive in the promised land, but God isn't there. Just God-forsaken place. Chaos, 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 chaos. Heaven is in no need of doctors. Heaven is in no need of lawyers. You, it's not about who you, um, what you do. God isn't interested in that stuff. You know, that's what you are. You're not going to add any value in heaven by that. God wants to have a relationship with you. Jesus wants a relationship with you. So ask God for God. Ask Him to reveal Himself to you, for His Spirit to dwell in you, for His Word to dwell in you. So when I look at Moses and when I look at the way that He prayed, I see we should probably ask God for God. And He will give Himself to us. Secondly, in 1 Kings chapter 18 verse 37, I look, I see a man his name's Elijah and he's having a showdown with the prophets of Baal and he's one prophet that remains and there's 300 prophets of Baal and they've got the they've got showdown and there's an altar built and, and all kinds and the deal was let's uh, cut uh, offerings up and if God of Israel is God, then he will, he will accept this offering, and he will set this thing ablaze. And if Baal is God, then he will accept their offering. And they, had, they went crazy. They cut themselves 300 guys dancing, going crazy, and this thing, just nothing. And he mocks them, and he mocks them, and still nothing. And then Elijah, he wets this offering, and he wets it again and again. And this thing is soaked and it's drenched in water. And this is his prayer when he, spe- when he asks God to reveal himself to this people. He says, answer me, O Lord. Answer me that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have turned their hearts back. Answer me that these people may know that you are God. Isn't that a great way for us to pray? Isn't that a great indication where our prayers should be headed? Answer me so that other people would know that you are God. Not answer me so that I can win this argument and show this arrogant person the way, the truth, and the life. None of that. Answer me that they may know you are God. I don't want to be right. I don't have to look good. I don't have to impress anyone. If you have to humble me, humble me. If 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 I have to go lower then then take me lower. But may these people know that you are God. I remember I visited Rockenstein prison uh, a while back, and I picked up on words like salvation when we prayed for, um, for the, the inmates and, and the people that I was with there, and they, they kept on asking for, for salvation and breakthrough and, and reveal yourself and reveal, show these people who you are, and you know what, God works mightily, He works mightily in that prison, because those are the prayers that is aimed in that prison, you know, that, that, that people would know that you are God and God honors those prayers and he reveals himself to those people. So I want to encourage you when you pray and you want God to answer you I, I hope the motive behind those prayers is answer me so that these people may know that you are God. Turn their hearts back. May this church may 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 we be people that pray like that. So 1 Samuel 3:10 that we get together that's the first time when we hear of a boy called Samuel, and Samuel went on to become a, a big prophet, and Eli, he heard someone calling him, and he went to Eli, who was, his, um, it was the guy who trained him, he was his apprentice, and he said, yes, Eli, and he said, no, nothing, and he went back to bed, and he says, yes, Eli, he heard something, yes, Eli, and he said, no, nothing, and it Keep on happening. And he said, the next time you hear something, say, yes, Lord, speak. Your servant is listening. So I think that is a phenomenal thing for us, a phenomenal lesson what we can learn. Um, instead of us running to people for answers, let's just go to God. And let's just say, speak, Lord. I'm your servant, and I'm listening. So you can speak to me. I'm, I'm, uh. So take the time and speak. Pray Ask God that he would speak to you. And I think so often we would rely and we put our faith and our trust on other people's what they say and we don't hear from God. I'm not undermining the value of of healthy counsel. I'm not undermining um, people who know you and love you. So I'm not saying be irresponsible. I am saying, however, go to God and allow him to speak to you. And God will speak to you and He will reveal Himself to you. And he's got, he, he will speak into your exact situation. But we need to be filled with the Word. The Word needs to abide in us. We need to know His Word. And the problem is, if His Word isn't abiding in us, then we will not recognize His voice because we will not know Him. So let's spend time in the Word. Let's know let's, if, if you abide in me will bear much fruit. The word needs to move into us. And then um, when we pray a valuable, valuable, valuable lesson is a lesson that I've learned from David and that is his prayer in Psalm 51 when he prays Father create create in me a clean heart. Um, Psalm 51 we need to be people who's repenting. uh, we, We can't sidestep this and I think Many times repentance isn't a heartfelt thing that we do. The problem is that we sin and sin stings and the repercussions of sin is nasty. And we don't like that. And then we cry out to God and we tell God, God, I don't like the situation that I'm in at this point in time. I don't like the repercussions. I don't like um, what sin did to me. I don't like the pain that I'm in because of sin. And we tell God, please take this cup away from me. But we do not repent. God doesn't honor those prayers because those prayers are selfish prayers. Those are prayers that wants nothing to do with God. Those are prayers that wants to take kiss the boo boo goodbye and for me to remain a naughty little boy. That that is what those prayers are. And and God doesn't honor that. We need to, to be a people that repent. If his word abides in us, then there's no place in your house, there's no place in your heart for sin. There's no place in your God doesn't share these, what, what parallels between light and darkness. Light shines in darkness. There can be no darkness there. So we, we need to be a people who repent. And, and I love that. And I want to encourage you, um, go and read the entire Psalm 51. It's a beautiful Psalm. Creating me a clean heart, O oh God. And renew a right spirit within me. Not fix fix me. Make me feel better so that I continue um, to swim in my sin. Because God doesn't want to do that. He doesn't do that. If you, we need to ask him to create a right spirit in us. And I want to ask you, friends, just be curious. I want to uh, awaken in you a curiosity for God. I want to. I want to awaken in you um, the possibility that God wants you to bear fruit in every single area in and of your life, and, and the areas where there is disappointment. Jesus Christ is Lord of all, and and He calls things to life that are dead. He He He, he called Lazarus. He rose from a grave. It was a dire situation. It was hopeless. It was useless. There was death. So whatever situation you are in, whatever situation it needs to be, I want you to, to think of, of this verse 7. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done to you. Let that speak to every area of your life. And know when we ask the person who we ask is Jesus. Who conquered the grave? Jesus, who holds the keys to the kingdom? Jesus, who gave us all authority? Jesus, who gave us these words? And, friends, I want you to, to have faith in your heart for those things and not to sit and feel like a disappointment and, and for, for His life and His resurrection power to minister to those areas of your life. So, t- have, t- take faith, have, um, take heart, have faith. For that, That is what, what God wants to do in your life. And the beautiful thing is for fruit to be their prayers is the, it's, it's the wheels that is or rather the cogs that sets that into motion. I want you to be encouraged. I want your heart to be full with hope. And I want to ask you to respond to God's word tonight. I want to encourage you to ask for more and know that God wants you to be much fruit. God absolutely wants you to bear much fruit. Verse 8, it ends by saying, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. I want to end with Frida's story. She's living proof that God exists. She's living proof that where He makes all things new. There's no denying it. God is so glorified By us bearing fruit. And I want you to take that picture and know, apply it to your own life. God is glorified through you bearing fruit.